morning, everyone. I forgot for a bit there, didn't I, of uh, what I need up front. And I had decided already last night, with all that I wanted to say, that I would not bring the computer up on here today because I'd be spending more time with the computer than it would be <laughs> using this. Uh, I'm going back to the chart. So this is more on the uh, Lord's Supper and uh, the end of Christ's life, the last uh, week of Christ's life, and uh, what's going to happen in these next little bit on here. And then, of course, I'm using the chart that uh, Pearl was good to put into um, into into Excel, and uh, years ago, because it was not a new idea, it's just more things were added, and the chart got bigger. I did want to show this before I lay it down here, and you can't see it. <laughs> there's more at the back, and there's one uh, on the wall that was made by the McAllister Church, similar to this, and it's framed on the wall out there. Uh, this I blew it up so that I could see it easier, but otherwise. It's this size, uh, eight and a half by 11 or 14 inch, eight and a half by 14 inch, either way. So if we need more, we can do that. So I'm gonna lay this up here. I always was intrigued when I'd run across uh, um, somebody that had made a graphing or charting or whatever it would be called, graphically showing the time element of the Lord's last week and the days near near it, each, each side. I always, whenever I'd see something like that, I want to keep it, I want to have it, I want to see somebody else's reasoning. I like it laid out. And uh, uh, I can't quite live with a chronological Bible. I get confused. I love this one, <laughs> King James. Um, but chronicle, chronological Bible tries to do the same thing, where they take verses from other places and puts them together. So if you're dealing with David, you're going to have the Psalms with it. If you're dealing, dealing with Christ, you're going to have the four Gospels interwoven to each other. So that you can say, okay, this happened and that happened at the same time. That's what's happening here, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have 99% of what's, what would be in this topic. It's only a few reaches out to other places where those verses would, would help the subject at hand. So I'm not running all over the Bible today. I just got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Okay. On this chart, it brings those extra verses close to you so that you can look things up. You can uh, see whether the, uh, uh, which verses in Matthew matches with this other verse and which ones. Is, and of course, we all want to know where is the foot washing? It's not in Matthew, not in Mark. Not in Luke, it's in John only. <laughs> so we do need to find out when John's uh, writing about the foot washing um, matches with the other stories. And of course, one way of getting it to match is to watch where Judas, Judas Iscariot, where he was. Uh, is he still there? Has he left? And so on. You can tell some of the timing by that. So again, the continuation of the order of events that were occurring around the time of the Passover of the Old Testament, 
Jesus keeping the Passover time frame and the Passover and instituting a way of remembering him, way to remember him. And uh, verses that will go with that. So last time, I don't want to rerun too much, but just back about the uh, time, the days are marked at the top, the 13th and the 14th of Nisan, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 of the Nisan, which is the month in the Hebrew calendar. It's a Hebrew calendar. And uh, they were to um, watch for the new moons. Actually, I ran across a boo-boo in a book last night, and I showed it to Pearl. I couldn't believe it. Um, They mixed up the new moon with the full moon. Whoa, that can make a big mistake by 14 days. Um, The new moon is when there is no moon, when it's all dark, and a little teeny sliver of moon comes out from behind the sun. It looks like behind the sun, but the sun is in front of it blocking our view. The sun is so bright, I should say, and the moon is between us and the sun, of course, but the sun is so bright that you can't see the moon. Okay? So when, he, when you can see him, he's a little tiny sliver. That's the new moon. When do you get the full moon? 14 days later, because it's a 28-day cycle. Okay, thereabouts, 28 days. So uh, they were to watch for the new moon and uh, then take out a lamb, watch it for so many days. They could trade the lamb if they had to, but on the 14th day, they were to kill the lamb. And I'm expecting you to read all of these verses at home. When you have the chart, it's very easy to go back home and say, okay, what's in Matthew? What's in Mark? What does Luke say at this time? And you can look these up very easily. And whether you need to read six verses or a whole chapter, so what? It's no big deal, right? It's a little hard in preaching to cover that much territory. But first, if we go back to the beginning of the 14th day of Nisan, when does it begin? When the sun comes up? No, when the sun goes down. You have to put yourself in the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew time frame, Hebrew clock. They didn't have a wristwatch. They didn't have anything really to tell time. So when the sun went down, that's obvious. There it goes, it's going down. Everybody knows the darkness is arriving very quickly. I'm surprised sometimes I'll, I'll see the, the moon setting in a, or moon or sun, whichever, but you see something setting and I want Pearl to see it and I'll run and say, come and come take a look and it's, it goes down that quick. You don't realize it's moving that fast. <laughs> okay. So uh, the time frame for, for the beginning of the day was when the sun sets, when the sun is setting. Now there's a twilight time. And if you're further north, the twilight is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So you have this twilight before the sun sets. And then you say, okay, this is where the sun set, went down. But the twilight goes on and on. So they talk about an evening before the sun goes down, an evening after the sun goes down, while the twilight. So you have this twilight time. Well, some of these things depend on that. And they were watching for it. They're being very careful to see what's going on. So if you'll take the chart and look on the Wednesday, the 14th of Nisan, it's called the preparation day. Preparation day for what? For the high day. What was the 14th? It's actually the Passover. What's the 15th? 
It's when they got released from Egypt. And I even was reading last night how they kind of blended these two days together. The Passover day had to have unleavened bread. But the next day was called the first day of unleavened bread. But the Jews were fitting these two together. They both needed unleavened bread. One was for the lamb being slain, the blood sprinkled on the doors just before they were to leave Egypt. And then the other one is the day when they were told they can get out of town and they went. Get a million people on the foot, you know. <laughs> That's a lot of people leaving town. So to look at this, we got to think of different things about the, how the day starts and where the day ends. So even this chart, you'll see night first. Got 12 hours of, of darkness. Then you're going to have 12 hours of daylight. And then it's going to start the next day, which is night first, and then day, night first, and then day, as you go through the next days and so on. That was their normal, their normal way of doing things. There's no, no other way really obvious to be able to, no wristwatch. Who, who decided that you'd have a half a night and then a daylight time of 12 hours and then a half a night and we'll call that a day? That's pretty weird. A half a night from midnight to six in the morning then you'll have daylight for 12 hours, and then you're going to have a half a, half a night. From whatever, 6, 7 o'clock at night until midnight. And why is it midnight? It's halfway through the night, I guess, okay? It's about halfway through. So you run into midnight in the, in the Bible. Many times it talks about the hours. When you're looking at this chart as well, it talks about the, the third hour. When is that? Well, if you're talking about night, it's from darkness starts, sun went down, to here, three hours. Then you'd have another three hours, could be six hours talked about. Then you'd have another three hours, and you'd have mid-morning, mid-part of that. And then another three hours, and you'd have the 12 hours of darkness. Do you remember that when, uh, when Jesus died, and you, you can look through these charts and think about it, read the, read the verses. It was somewhere near noon. Then there was three hours of darkness. Wow, till the ninth hour. Oh, then this is 12, and this is ninth, you know, this is 12 our time, noon, and it went dark. Three hours later, you're over here at nine hours of daylight, three o'clock in the afternoon. It takes a little gearing. You can tell I'm even struggling with it a bit. But we need to think of those things and get it in their time frame, not what we're used to. Think in their time zone. So if you'll turn with me to John, John chapter 13. Some will read a little bit and some will just hurry by. I expect you to look at it and to read it. I call it homework sometimes. But uh, John chapter 13 is on that chart where it's saying the 14th and the preparation day. And then it says Lord's Supper instituted. I had to put myself a little arrow because I'm in the night, right? And when did they start this day? When the sun went down the previous day. So when the sun went down, they were hurrying to get the upper room reserved. They were getting uh, things ready for the, for the Passover. You read that in Luke 22. Don't forget Luke. Luke 22, the whole chapter. 
You really need Luke. He was paid to be an observer and to write things down the way they happened. <laughs> I think it converted him in the long run. And he did a lot of traveling with, uh, with uh, Paul and, and others. And uh, in the book of Acts, he was traveling with them, wrote for the same person that he was paid to write for, for the book of, of Luke. So don't forget Luke chapter 22. I've got verses all over this chart and more added. But in, in John chapter 13, back to there. Now before the feast of the Passover, before. So you've got to start thinking which days are what. The feast of the Passover. But before that, um, Jesus knew that his hour was come. And he should depart out of this world. He's going to die. He's going to go unto the Father. Um, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Christ loved his disciples and all the people that was around with him, all the one followers of those. And then they ate the Passover, because that's what they're there. The Passover is nigh, the first verse. But they were eating supper. Supper being ended. And the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. You want to go back on some of these verses, find Judas. Now with the computers, it's really easy to find him and find out where he fits in. And he, days ahead of time, had been negotiating with the church authorities, the high priests and uh, the other people that wanted Jesus out of the way to negotiate that he would, would um, sell Jesus out. He was going to betray him for money. So he's just looking for a time when he can, can do him in. It's a horrible situation. Remember when Jesus said, the hand that's on the table with me? Oh boy, that must have hurt. The one you think loves you, the one that you think is going to treat you right, um, was actually the one that was going to betray you. Verse 2 says, And supper being ended, the devil, having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. You think of, think of this seriously, how deep Jesus understood what's going on, and what was going to be happening, and what was going to happen to him personally. Yeah, that's a tough one. He riseth from supper. But well, in, in verse 3, if you think of who he is, he's the Son of God. He's got all this power and authority that is his. And what's he going to do next? He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girt himself. And he poured water in a basin. And then you want to read the rest of this. The Lord of the universe, the Lord of the earth, the Lord of the creator, Son of God. You know, you don't know who did what. It looked like God had the plans and Jesus did the building. I, I don't know. But how powerful is he? And he's going to lay aside his clothing and put on a towel around him and he's going to wash the disciples' feet. The lowest job in the whole building. He's going to wash their feet. Why it didn't get done before this time, God only knows, and it's God's will. 
that Jesus would do this, humble himself. You read on down and you find, and say in verse 11, I've got it in red, he knew who should betray him. That's sad. And he's washing their feet, all of them. Therefore he said, ye are not all clean. He's talking not about filth of the dust of the road. He's talking about Judas. So he'd washed all their feet and then he sat down and then he said, you call me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. He's trying to get them to reason and to think about what's going on right in front of their eyes. He said, if I've washed your feet, and you ought to wash one another's feet. He goes on, this was an example unto you to do. When we come for the Lord's Supper, that's what we do. We do it first. It's somewhat convenient. I've done it the other way around because I guess there's no hard and fast rule as to which is first and which is not. But I found out in most places, if you do the foot washing first, people stay on task. They maybe talk about spiritual things, think on spiritual things, do something. If you do it the other way around, the people are talking about hunting and fishing and fixing this and fixing that. Now, wait a minute. Couldn't that wait just one night, you know, just one time for an hour or two? Couldn't you just leave that one off? And so it's easier to, to do the foot washing, bring the people in, do the emblems, sing that last song and have them leave. And they're thinking spiritual things, hopefully. And when they go home, they're thinking all the way home spiritual things. That's a real blessing. No interruption at that point. So this is a very good task to be thinking on here of uh, studying. Uh, when the Lord's Supper was instituted in John 13, 1 through 17, and Luke 22, he said, I desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. We talked about that last week actually as well. Um, before I suffer, he, he, he knew this is not gonna be a pleasant deal. Before he got to the cross, before they nailed him to the cross, this is not gonna be a pleasant day. So then, if I can take you to the next step of this day, um, all night he was in trials. When Judas came, after Jesus had been praying, you sure want to read about Jesus' prayer in the garden and so on. And then Judas comes and uh, he betrays him with a kiss. Jesus even asked him, do you betray me with a kiss? It's just one of those really suffering, heart-rending type feeling. The things that happened in the garden, we need to read about that too, to know what happened and who did what. Uh, in the garden, and then they take Jesus away, and uh, they uh, take him first to to Pilate. No, no, for high high priest first. I'm getting ahead of my notes here. They went to the high priest first, and uh, he wasn't too uh, too much of an authority to be able to say whether Jesus lives or dies. He just says he's guilty, and they send him to Pilate. Pilate was a Roman ruler, a Roman person that could usurp authority over others. He could say whether he dies or whether he lives, and whether the Hebrew people had the right to do this or not by Roman law. Anyway, that's where Pilate fit in. Then Pilate was not getting along too well with the whole situation, and he wanted to pass it off to somebody else. 
and he tried to give it to um, to Herod, because Herod was not up in Galilee, he was down in Jerusalem at this time of the year, or the circumstances that he had going on. And uh, he thought, oh good, he's gonna, I'll have him do a miracle and I'll, I'll be able to watch this and see this. And uh, instead, uh, he, when he saw he wasn't going to, get, going to get some show and tell type thing from Jesus, he gave him back to Pilate. And Pilate was kind of stuck with the whole thing from then on to uh, appease the people or whatever he could do. Uh, very good reading to be able to do this. He would also then go to, uh, in uh, Luke 22, 14 to 21, as uh, I've been talking about here in Luke 22. Be sure and read that part. And I wrote homework, Matthew 26, 20. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. When even, when's, when's that? Sun is setting. The twilight is there. Before the sunset, or just after, he sat down with the disciples. And that was for the purpose of eating the Passover. And uh, Judas leaves. If you look in John 13, verse 30, Jesus leaves, and he goes out. Uh, Judas, Judas leaves and goes out and get, gathers the ones that were going to follow him, and he's going to come into the garden a little later. In uh, Matthew 26, Judas comes back, betrays Jesus with a kiss, and he's got the high priest with him and so on. Um, Jesus is taken to the high priest and he's accused of blasphemy. Read that and find out what it means. Jesus was saying he's the Son of God. Wow, that's about the worst thing you could say. So he's accused right there on the spot, uh, worthy of death. You've all heard it. He said it with his own mouth. You know, that's blasphemy. So he says he's guilty of death. In Matthew 27, verse 1, when the morning came, Jesus was taken to Pontius Pilate. When the morning. So you want to watch these time frames. What's going on? Who's doing what? This is when they came and the sun was going down. This is what happened during the dark part. This is when the uh, authorities arrived with Judas. They capture Jesus. They take him out. He goes to Herod, go, no, to uh, the high priest. Then he's going to be going to Pilate. And the sun is coming up. So no rest in the night. A lot of bad stuff going on. And he talks with Peter. Remember these things? You have to go back and find them. Put them in order. Where, where was Peter? When did Jesus talk to Peter? Actually, he just looked at him and Peter went out and wept. We want to know when that happened. Well, it's here in the night. It's not a pleasant night for Jesus. But when the morning came, he had to go to Pilate. And on your chart, you'll see all these. I've been writing in extra things as well. On uh, That would be uh, nice and 14 in the morning. The sun's coming up. He uh, gets to be in trial. Uh, Luke 22 and 23, you'll see those on the, on the chart. And then... Uh, and then you want to go to Mark 15, uh, about the third hours. This is when I was watching. The morning had come. Now the third hour, it mentions, well, when's that? That's about 9 in the morning, isn't it? For our, our clock, 9 in the morning. Okay. Then they crucified him. And there was earthquake. There was darkness for three hours. 
You're going along through the day to noon and on till about three o'clock in the afternoon, which they call the ninth hour. The ninth hour, I wrote that in. It says three hours of darkness, Luke 23, 44. You're getting to that time when the three hours were active, which took it to about mid-afternoon. And Jesus dies in Luke 23, 46. Let's look at the words there. Uh, Luke 23, 23, and I'm looking for 46. I'm going to put that up here. Yep, 46. There's 46. So that's Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost, and he died. And what did the other say about it right there in the next verses? But that's when Jesus died. So now you've still got some time before the sun goes down. You're still on that chart. Jesus has to get in, uh, entombed. They have to go and get authority to take him off of the cross. They have to send out the, the soldiers, and they pierce them break their legs, so that they would die quicker. Why? Normally, they just leave them there and let them die not being able to breathe, pushing themselves up on their, on their tethers, whatever they were tied to, or Jesus was nailed, well, I don't know if it was here or here, but if you have to lift yourself up to get a breath of air and then you sag back down, your chest cavity wants to close up on you, can't get air. This was not pleasant for Jesus. He knew what was coming. He was dying on the cross. He gave up the ghost. He said when enough was, was enough. Because they needed some time frame yet to get him in the, in the grave, in the ground. He knew that. So here everything was done. All was finished. That, those words are used. It is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. But they still had to get authority. They had to have uh, people that would have uh, a relative type relationship to Jesus so that they could claim his body to take him away from the cross. But they came and they broke the legs of the uh, of the thieves so that they would die. And then uh, they speared Jesus. But that's a prophecy, right? That not, no bone should be broken. So they just speared him. And blood and water came out. That's really unusual. Really unusual. Another miracle. They speared him to see if he'd wiggle or if he was alive or dead or what. And when he was dead, they made sure that they could take him away and, uh, and get him buried. Some of the things right at the end, let's see, uh, in verse 54, oh, okay, 51 is uh, Joseph of Arimathea and another good man that came to claim Jesus' body and they were able to take him away in verse uh, 20, uh, reading backwards, 52, uh, they were able to take him away in 53, wrapped him in linen and took him to the sepulcher that was hewn out of stone in 54. And that day was the preparation day of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath grew on. Now you think, oh, what is happening here? 
You've got to take a little bit of step back again to what was going on in the Old Testament. This is the day that's coming up is when they escaped from, from Egypt captivity. Very highly esteemed day. It was their high day. It was a Sabbath because, again, you've got these seven days of, um, of unleavened bread. The first day should be a Sabbath. The last day should be a Sabbath. So this is not unusual to say that this day of the Passover is a preparation day for the next day, which is the high day Sabbath. These are not unusual terms. So this is the, the Sabbath through, and this is not the weekly Sabbath. That's the thing to keep in mind. This is an annual Sabbath, a yearly Sabbath, not, not the weekly Sabbath. Then the women came, saw where he was buried, where the sepulcher was, and then they returned and prepared spices. You don't do the spices before the person dies, or while he's still in judgment in court and so on. You don't go making the spices for his grave. So first he died, then they went and got the spices, but they rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. You see, there's time in this, this is gapped. You have a high day Sabbath, now you get the weekly Sabbath mentioned. There's at least three days, four days. And there's something happening here that you have to fill in. So this chart helps to say what happened uh, when Jesus was put into the tomb. You had the Roman watch was set. You can see there the annual uh, yearly high, high day Sabbath is in John 19:31. Look it up. You've got to make sure that I'm telling you the truth. Look it up in the scriptures. The Roman watch was set and the tomb was sealed in Matthew 27, 26 through Pardon me, reverse verses. Uh, 62 to 66 in Matthew 27. Look it up and read about the Roman guards that were being set. And actually, let, let's do just a quick scan there. Matthew 27. Go with me to Matthew 27 because there's, there's key points sometimes that are just hidden that uh, the Jews enacted as well as God planned. <laughs> Uh, what did they say again? That's on uh, page uh, chapter 27, starting with verse 62. Okay, 62. You can find 62 with me. Um, okay, 62. Now, the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together and unto Pilate. They don't do this before the man dies. This is after. So they came to talk with him, saying, Sir, we remember that this deceiver, that's Jesus, said while he was alive, so he's definitely dead, he died on the cross. He really did die. After three days I will rise again. Over and over, this three days and three nights keeps coming up, like, like Jonas in the whale's belly, three days and three nights. It keeps coming up. Here the, soul, the, the, the high people of the church, the priests, were coming and saying this. And he, that he was going to rise again. Command, therefore, please, the master of the Romans, please do this for us Hebrews. Therefore, that the sepulcher might be made sure unto the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, 
and the last air, the boo-boo, shall be worse than the first. Make sure this is legal and proper and going to be done right so that the disciples can't do this to us. All of this is playing right into the hands of the three days and three nights and, and the disciples and God's way. It's all playing into the works that God wanted to be done. This is a God thing. Pilate said unto them, We, uh, uh, ye, have a watch, meaning the guards, the soldiers to guard, uh, go your way and make it, the, the sepulcher, as sure as ye can. Stable, safe, nobody's going to bother it. And verse 66, and they went their way and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Seal was then they put on some candle wax of some kind or other, and they pressed the ring of somebody in there that was of authority. And if you break that seal, everybody knows it's been broken. And you're going to be in an awful lot of trouble. Uh, somebody else came and rolled away the stone, right? <laughs> no problem breaking the seal. Okay. Uh, that's a good read there too. So um, fairly quickly here again, want to move along. Uh, after uh, this point, we would be coming to uh, just the last few lines of sentence here. Uh, they set the uh, the seal. Oh, actually, the, the thinking of when the, uh, the high Sabbath was and, and they had to get this all done um, to get Jesus into the grave. So you, you know the time frame again. If you go back to the chart and you say, when was this? This was Wednesday afternoon when he was entombed. And the next day is Thursday when Jesus had the first night and the first day in the tomb or night first and then day in the tomb. Um, and this was the yearly high day Sabbath. The Roman watch was set then at the bottom of that. The, uh, day 16, nice and 16, was Friday. The preparation day, uh-oh, second preparation day. All right. Now this is the preparation day for the weekly Sabbath, which is coming up the next day. So that's when the women bought the spices, prepared the spices, anointed the body uh, to, to anoint the body. Uh, in Mark 16, verse 1, and in Luke 23, 56. So I was reading some of that to you there in Luke. But also, then you get to the Sabbath day, night first, and then the day. Uh, it's coming up on 72 hours, isn't it? If you're watching 12 hours and so on and so on, 72 hours. Okay, we're getting there. So uh, uh, at sunrise... On, on, on Sabbath. No, it doesn't say sunrise. The earthquake. Remember the big earthquake that happened when the stone was rolled back and many of the believers came out of the grave? There you are. That's in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. And uh, then you've got all day Sabbath going on here. But uh, let's go to Matthew 28, 1 through 7. Matthew 28. It's right here, just a page or two back. Matthew 28. In the end of the Sabbath, verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, this is the weekly Sabbath, mm -hmm. as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week. Okay, this can be awkward because the word dawn means to begin something. The dawn of the age of Aquarius, you know. Uh, this is crazy stuff, but <laughs> my era. <laughs> uh, uh, 
it's the beginning of something, a new era, a new hundred years or whatever. Um, the beginning of these eras. Well, if you look this up in the Hebrew and translate it for yourself, very easy to do, with, especially with uh, English underneath the individual words in Hebrew and Greek, and the Greek this would be. You take it word by word. It says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first of the week, leaves out the word day, mm -hmm. the first of the week, um, and uh, the end of the week, yeah, in, in the first part, in the end of the Sabbath, it says in the end of the week, at the beginning of the week. Well, when is this? It might get you a little bit of trouble here to think of it, but not really. When does a weekly Sabbath end? Weekly, a whole week, seven days. When does seven days end? Saturday afternoon. At sundown. Mm -hmm. That ends that week. When does a new week start? When the sun goes down Saturday afternoon. That's when the first day of the week begins. When the sun went down. Oh, all of a sudden it makes sense, right? The dawning of the new day starts with the night. When the sun goes down, Saturday afternoon. So this is when this verse was happening. And the ladies came there because the weekly Sabbath was ended. They could go with the spices and catch, you know, do some duties in the twilight after the sun went down and they could do these duties. And uh, the angel there says, I know who you're looking for. Down the end of verse 5 and verse 6. He's not here. He's gone. Saturday afternoon. Now, others came Sunday morning. Yeah, they came. Boy, they couldn't believe this. Let's go look again. Let's go back and see. How were the, where were the cloths laid? Where were the angels? Where was the stone? Was the stone rolled back? You know, where are the guards? You know, you go back and you check all these things. Look these scriptures up and read all of these in, in, in accordance with one another. Jesus was gone Saturday afternoon. He's risen from the dead. That's what the angel said in verse 7. And they were to run and tell the disciples. Of course, they're not going to believe a woman anyway. She hadn't gone to high school. So, you know. <laughs> um, she wasn't the theologian or whatever. So we better go look ourselves. And uh, two of them ran to see what, what was there. Anyway, at the, uh, uh, in verse 11, when the guards finally got off of the ground, they were so shaken to pieces and laying on the ground. When they finally got themselves up, they went to the authorities, to the chief priests, in verse 11, and they told their story. And uh, the, these were guards, but they told their authorities and the chief priests what had happened. And uh, the chief priests, they said, we're going to give you big money in which I like that word big. Uh, if I can see just where the word big is. But it's in, in which verse? 12. In verse 12, okay. Ah, yes, the last part. Large, not the word big. <laughs> Large money. Well, this is not the size of the paper. This is the amount of the money value. They gave them hush money. That's what I wrote in my notes. I gave him hush money. Shut him down, quiet him down. And uh, to say that he, that the disciples had come by night and stole him away while we slept, that's worthy of death to sleep on guard duty. Mm -hmm. oh, oh. 
Wow. Um, and if the, anything comes from the governors, they will cover you, take care of you. So they took the money and did as they were taught, <laughs> brainwashed, <laughs> uh, as they were taught. And, uh, and it's commonly saying is reported among the Jews until this day. So that's a common statement that everybody understood and knew about. Interesting that we've gotten all the way through here where now we know that Jesus is risen Saturday afternoon on the uh, weekly Sabbath of the Nisan 17. And then if you went on to another reading, you find out what happened on Sunday, um, uh, the Roman watch and so on, you go the next day, what was happening and so on. And when you find out all of these numbers are adding up and they're coming out right, and then you can see the entire picture more clearly. And uh, it's a really good reading. The bottom of the page there also has some writing carefully worded for the word Passover and the Lord's Supper uh, being a new name. Because the Passover has quit. Why did the Passover quit? You can't tell all of the story today, right? But the veil was torn from top to ground to bottom. They couldn't do the annual sacrifices. They couldn't do the weekly sacrifices and the, the holy day events and things. They couldn't do it because the veil was torn. The Shekinah glory, some people say, left the temple. Right. So they couldn't do anything with the temple service immediately. They had to do a lot of other things to make up and, and fix the stories and so on. Uh, so the Passover was stopped because of Jesus' death. Now, of course, they're going to fix the, the veil and they're going to try to continue killing animals and so on, but this is the end. Jesus' blood was the only blood that could save the whole world. The Old Testament and the New. The Old Testament, we talked about ratifying the Old Testament sins and offerings that were given. It all was leaning on Jesus. If Jesus had backed out, the blood of goats and lambs and sheep and so on, cattle, could not forgive sin. It had to be all about Jesus. If he had backed out, the Old Testament was in a lot of trouble. And one thing you never hear God say is, whoops. <laughs> God did it right the first time, right? So Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And when he died, all of those sins back there were forgiven because they had done it right by their law, by the blood and sacrificing, the sprinkling and all those things. But all of those things came to an end when Christ died. The New Testament talks about other things, new things. That's where I'm studying scriptures at home on my own as to all of these things that we're trying to get into Sabbath school quarterlies, Sabbath school lessons. So interesting to find them out, put them together and enjoy the study of God's word. May God bless you.